What does innovation mean to you? Innovation means uh, being able to to accept that others are different and being able to accept that you are different. Uh, accepting the differences and then farming for something interesting between these differences. So it's all about perspective, right? Uh, it is about perspective, but it's also about... Uh, you need to have... If you're an innovator, you need to have this character that you are... It's okay to be different. It's okay to try something else and maybe in the beginning you will not be accepted for it. But you focus on the facts, you see if there is something to farm there and if yes, you continue. Uh, your definition of success? That's a hard one. I know, that's why I asked <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> um, I, would, I would like to call myself successful once I see that I'm contributing on a large scale to people who are proactive, to people who are bringing uh, new and more efficient ways of working, who are bringing good to the world. So it's not, with the way I see success, it's not just limited to business or, or just family. It's, it's really a more holistic approach where you need to, in order to be successful, you also need to be part of building a successful community around you which may maybe mean fixing stuff around your building or house. So all those things. Uh, what does it take for a great engineer to become even better leader? Uh, it boils down to having great mentors from whom you can steal uh, <laughs> techniques. Steal. Steal <laughs> or learn techniques how to get information i think leadership is a huge part of leadership is being able to get correct information and in order to do that you need to have mechanisms in place you need to be able to talk to people you need to have a right framework for people to be willing and safe to talk to you correct information and once you have it it's much easier to to decide what's what's the best what's the best approach Overtime versus working on weekend? Uh, before I had a kid, it was all overtime. Uh, now it's a mix. <laughs> now it's, it's all the time when you have time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I, caught, I catch myself that I'm thinking, oh, I just need one day just, <laughs> just to be able to work <laughs> without interruptions. Um, read a book and listen to the podcast. Uh, previously it was always read a book now it's just read, just podcast or audiobooks and uh, your favorite book uh, Solaris would be one and uh, Dostoevsky probably something from him cool and a long time I haven't heard somebody here to say that some some classics are, are favorites yeah when I was young I was <laughs> I was I mean, I was 10 years old. I was like reading to the stage. I didn't understand anything. Getting serious. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go just like one word answer for next couple of questions. Most important personal trait in business. Trustfulness. Is that a correct word? Uh, Trustworthiness. Trustworthiness, I think, yeah. Why? Uh, there is 
a lot of noise and unknowns that's happening from the moment that you sit with a person and, and, and decide to do something to the moment where you have something on the table. And it's important that when you ask a person, for example, did you understand, do you agree, that you get the, the answer that's, that's right, right? That, that you know you're on the right point and you don't need to touch that anymore. So in that sense, you need to build up this. You need to build up this through your deeds, right? And then you get to a point where it's extremely efficient to work people for people to work with you and for you to work with them because yeah. you can easily agree and you can easily spot problems. So you can quickly fix. And second question for one word answer. Of course, this was elaboration. You you, <laughs> you answered with one word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your biggest motivation? joy of work how can I how do you call that for social media camera passion <laughs> passion, passion. Yeah. Ray Dal- Dalio has that saying meaningful work meaningful relationships so maybe something there right? yeah, yeah. I, I find myself enjoying work I do and I, I'm happy when I have a slice of time just to concentrate on it and work it yeah you're engineers yeah exactly <laughs> there is some magic in so Uh, let's start with uh, our flow. This is chair, place where we discuss innovations. And today, um, this is the subject that is all around us, even we don't know about that, uh, tokenomics. On this subject and some other topics related or non-related, uh, I have a pleasure to welcome Ognjen Kurtić, co-founder and CTO of company called Finspot. Welcome to chair. Thank you. Glad to be here. So first... What do you guys actually do at Finspot? Uh, we are uh, a fintech and our mission is to help small and medium enterprises uh, get control of their capital. Uh, we started, uh, our, one of our co-founders, he, he, he was out of faculty, he was running a family business. So he managed to see from that side how tough it is for a small company to get access to capital. You got, you have uh, banks, uh, which are just not optimized for this sector, right? Because they are they're heavily regulated and they need to employ the full mechanism of their control, even if, if it's corporate or if it's a really small business. So cost-benefit ratio does not exist, so they just ignore that sector. Maybe ignore is a tough word, but it's close to that. So he's seen the problem for that side. Uh, the other co-founder, he was working in a bank uh, as a software engineer, and he saw how how is bank approaching this field, and why are SMEs ignored. And I'm I'm a technical person, so I'm, I'm a, I have a strong engineering background, and I was able to bring to that uh, table uh, knowledge on how to build systems that can help lend to these businesses efficiently. So yeah, we we wanted to solve the problem for them so that they can get access to capital to bridge to bridge that gap, right? Yes, to to bridge to to bridge that <coughs> hole that exists in the market where currently small and medium enterprises really are struggling to get uh, to get access to capital. I know that uh, recently you had something that is uh, pretty similar to IPO, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So can can you share that story because uh, I think it's it's pretty. Pretty, especially for this region, 
uh, it's pretty strange to hear that somebody done something like that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we we started the company. Our first product uh, is factoring, uh, invoice financing, and as we started to work, we bumped into the same issue that our clients are <laughs> bumping into that's access to capital so we got to a point where we cannot grow we need to decline clients because we don't have enough money to to fund their invoices and the reason being is that banks are we are we are a young company we are a startup basically banks do not want to touch us that's it that's it you don't have a chance right yeah you have you don't have two years of financial statements you don't exist so we are we were looking for funds, obviously investments, VC funds, seed seed investors, and so on. Uh, but we bumped into an issue, and then we said, okay, we are selling ourselves as a company that's trying to solve these issues. So let's solve the issue for ourselves first. Uh, and we applied to for an accelerator on the EU level. Uh, it's called Block IS. That was in 2019, and it's under Horizon 2020 program to try to build up blockchain innovations in EU. And we won that uh, accelerator with nine other companies among a competition of around 150 startups from across oh. Europe. Yeah, And they gave us an equity-free grant of 50K euros to, to, to build up this idea. And our, our idea was invoice tokenization. Basically, we would uh, take an invoice, which could be subject to factoring. We would tokenize it, put it on-chain, and then investors could could let's say, seed it with money, right? That way a company could get financing. Uh, so we, we had that developed already through that accelerator. And then all of a sudden there was this law on digital assets that was, be, that was being prepared at that time in Serbia. We read the, the, the draft of the law and we realized that we could actually do this legally, something similar legally in, in Serbia. So early last year, we wrote a white paper where we uh, lay down all, 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 all this mechanism with the idea to issue a token, which would be a kind of a digital bond where we securitize parts of our factoring portfolio. So we basically slice portfolio in, a, in, a, in pieces and we tokenize them and offer them to the public. So private individuals or companies. Uh, you as a person, as a private individual, you can buy a token and by doing that, you're getting the right to share the profits that our portfolio, factoring portfolio is making. A long story short, since that first version of the white paper, we went through a bazillion of uh, uh, iterations with lawyers, regulators, tax people, you name it. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine that, yeah, especially... Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was quite interesting. It's, it's so interesting to be a pioneer in something, but on the same side, it's really challenging, right? I, I can imagine it's crazy because you, you're innovating somewhere where there is such a huge amount of regulation or it's deregulated, but that's a problem as well, right? So Yeah, it's a new, it's a new field. So we, we even had instances where the regulator would say, when we ask, can we do this? And say, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> but we, it was great working with them. We can get to that later. So yeah, we, we had an initial offering, security token offering in June this year. In June, uh, 15th of June, it started. And it's a it, month ago, right? Yeah, and it was finished after 14 days. It was a success. So we hope that we have opened now a new field for, for companies like ours to, to, to get to capital. Can you share some interesting story you mentioned working with regulators? Uh, 
I can imagine that there was some ups and downs there for sure. So yeah, it was um, for digital tokens under this law. Uh, it's the Serbian SEC, which is which is the regulator, right? And for uh, cryptocurrencies, it's, it's National Bank of Serbia. National Bank of Serbia is a, a lot more traditional regulator or body than the SEC. And we luckily worked with the SEC. And uh, I'm, I'm not sh- sure how to put it best, but it was amazing how well we collaborated with them. Uh, I Beforehand, I would say, you know, you, you're talking to a regulator who never knew anything about you, it. And you imagine bureaucracy and procedures yeah, yeah, that are there without uh, end goal, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was really a surprise. We get into a contact with the, the, the person who was leading the team responsible for tokenization there in SEC. We met in person. She was really interested to hear about the project. She was really interested to try to help so that we can get this going. Uh, on the same side, she was also really strict about you need to follow the law. There are no shortcuts and so on. So really, an example book regulator, and it went pretty well. I, we were thinking that it's probably going to take like six months or, or ten months just with the regulator, but it, in the end, I think, think it took around four months with them to finish. From, so from the first idea until that we had an approval, doesn't sound bad. Actually. That's great. That's yeah. great. That's really good. I think this is the, the, the great introduction for, for our main subject. So, uh, economy behind cryptocurrencies, like economics. So, um, I love the name, actually. <laughs> uh, let's try to uh, demystify uh, uh, blockchain today, right? And uh, uh, you, to me, in the first place, and to our viewers and listeners. So, mm-hmm. uh, what is tokenomics and why is... Why is it that important? Uh, so basically, each blockchain or each token, it's a set of different players. It's a network of nodes who all need to be incentivized in order to keep the network going, right? And tokenomics is all about trying, when you're building a new project or a new token, trying to take into account all the economic uh, factors, all the human motivational factors or the security factors, all the any factor that you can think of actually when you have people interacting with value in an, in an economy and trying to model that project in such a way that everybody is incentivized so that the network is running, it's afloat and it's producing some kind of value. It's crazy hard to do it right because nobody people <laughs> people are questioning if economy if economics is actually a science right? yeah it, so it's, it's some a kind of alchemy right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's really crazy hard to do and there there are a lot of fa- factors and you are basically doing it on a global level so you're also taking into account nationalities different right, different cultures different jurisdictions for regulation and so on and so forth trying to build a robust system that can, okay, work while everything is green, right? Everything yeah. is up, but also work what, what's happening when, it's... when there is stress on the system. And so far, probably the best models are the now already the old ones, such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, but there are constantly new models coming up. Yeah. Basically, as I, as I did a bit of research, I, I read somewhere that like uh, tokenomics is like game theory in action, right? 
And uh, is that really simple? At the, at the end, you can create any rule, right? And um, in terms of game, game theory and, and, and test that in real life. So uh, there are no boundaries, but you can produce. Is it like that or? <clears throat> you can, I mean, boundaries are obvious, right? Yeah, in, you, a, you, sense, in yeah. a sense, you have a model, you need to. Yeah, you need to have people who are incentivized. You need to have positive incentives and so on, mostly. But yes, you can you can try to play out play around with the rules, right? Yeah, you need you are introducing a new kind of token. This token represents a new uh, kind of asset or a new value, right? It's tokenizing whatever asset you can think of. We can get to the examples later. And how are now people who are interacting with it? How are they going to protect its value? And how are, how is this value going to rise? Why would other people join the network? Why would people uh, put value in so that the network is secure, so that on the long run they can get some profits yeah. out of it. Uh, what happens if there is a, a split in the community because of whatever, and suddenly you have 60% here and 40% here or something like that? How do you model all How you manage things? that? Ah, yeah, exactly. So we are coming to the subject of governance there. Uh, uh, how to how to govern in, uh, uh, in that kind of environment how to what are the boundaries what are the challenges it's um, when blockchain gained popularity you heard a lot about decentralizations right you, you heard a lot about DAOs so decentralized autonomous organizations right it sounds good on paper <laughs> it's like always right yeah it's I think it's that model is really, really, really hard when you're dealing with uh, facts on the ground. So let's say you build a protocol and this protocol now has in it value of, I don't know, $40 million in tokens, right? And you have a DAO who is controlling that protocol. So in order for something to happen, at least uh, seven out of 10 need to agree, right? And then you have a hack of the protocol and you have five minutes to react. Or, or minute and a half to react. <laughs> Make decision and so, react. So are you decentralized or centralized <laughs> at that point? Right? What's yeah. better? And it's uh, uh, there was this uh, utopian view, I think, that decentralized is going to solve everything and now people are slowly coming back. So now you have protocols who actually have an integrated kill switch, which can be done by the core team without the community, which in my view makes perfect sense but it's not decentralized so it's a it's a hard question to answer people a lot of protocols now are when you, so when you when you try to build a new protocol you're trying to build a community around it right because you want the following you want yeah. this to grow and in order to involve the community to get that support you need to involve them so you need to have some kind of voting should we go this direction or this direction and stuff like that and this Part of the centralization is happening quite a lot. So you can, if you go to a forum of any protocol that's now gaining traction, you can see that they are, they are having voting. People are voting with their tokens and so on. So, so that that seems to work. But you still need to have switches for. Let's fall back to centralized control uh, because it's efficient. It's more efficient. It's natural. Not everything is decentralized in nature. There are centralized yeah. system, systems for a reason, right? So it's probably, as always, it's a, it's a mix. Uh, just to go back to the economics itself, uh, uh, there is like some 
some pillars of it. And we are talking about mining and staking yields, mm-hmm. uh, um, talking burns, uh, limited mm-hmm. investors, unlimited supplies. Can we touch base on all of those just to give them more context of it and mm-hmm. how to function and what are the uh, uh, correlations between it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, these these are all mechanisms that then incentivize in different different players in different in different ways. Uh, when you talk about mining, uh, this is basically a reward that you can get in those tokens for participating in making the network safe. So basically how, how Bitcoin works, that the first, let's call it blockchain, is that you have miners who are trying to solve a puzzle. Nothing more than that. They're just trying to guess a number, literally. And they need to employ a lot of uh, computing power in order to be able, to, it's a hard puzzle, so they just need to try one, try two, try three, try four, until they, they get a number. And when they get the number, this is proof that they actually used quite a lot of power. So when you get a puzzle, that means you had to use a lot of power to do it. Basically putting the number for the energy that you consume. Exactly. So if if I'm able to produce a solution to this puzzle, this is enough proof that I had to use a lot of energy to do it. Right. So this means that's why it's called proof of work. This is proof of work. And through all this work, you are protecting the network because if you want somebody wants to do a fraud he needs to put at least same amount of work right yeah, or more right and if you have a bazillion of nodes who are competing honestly then you need to go bazillion and one to be the one who is who is, who is able to be dishonest and you incentivize that through what that's why it's called mining for for that reward reward for that proof of work is that you get a token and that's your reward, right? And that's you're mining for that token through putting that 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 work in. When you when you're talking about staking, now staking is on the next level. The <clears throat> migration from proof of work to proof of stake for Ethereum is going to happen hopefully in September, September or October. That the team is betting on that. What that means? And staking basically means that uh, instead of having this proof of work where you that means that you used a lot of energy you say okay i have already a lot of tokens and i'm staking them they are at risk if something bad happens which means i have a proof of stake i i have skin in the game yeah basically this with this you don't need all that energy you're much more efficient you can be much more faster and so on there is the issue of centralization potentially Big players have a lot more stake, meaning getting more rewards, but that's a, that's a completely different topic. And then you are then because you have the stake, you are participating. You can vote on the blocks on the consensus, participate in the consensus, and you again get rewards for that, right? So you are incentivized to put a lot of value into the network because from that value that you put in, you are getting rewards, additional rewards from the from the network you're basically investing into into the network you just mentioned uh, in uh, on one side uh, bitcoin and other ethereum mm-hmm. uh, can we do some comparison uh, throughout different aspects mm-hmm. uh, of uh, tokenomics to see what are the differences maybe it's best way to to, to learn to through comparison of those two mm-hmm. so or so maybe some other third one they're uh, they're quite similar so they are uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, they are native tokens of their respective blockchain networks, 
right? They are both still proof of work, uh, and in these in these regards, they're they're really a lot same. So you can send, I can send you a transaction in in one Ethereum, you get your in wallet. Same goes for Bitcoin. It's a similar way how it works on a top level. What's different in Ethereum is that apart from just exchanging this ones and zeros between you and me, so my balance goes up and your goes down, right? You can put code on chain. And when you put code, this means you can put any kind of function, any kind of expression, and it will be executed, decentralized on all the nodes who are doing the mining. And through that code, you can change some state inside the blockchain, which is not just uh, that up and down value of the token itself, but it can be something else. You can write names to it. You can write texts, right? Whatever yeah. you want, which means that you can actually support uh, applications. It's called decentralized applications. You can support behaviors that are not just uh, exchanging value. And that's, that's this huge improvement uh, from Bitcoin to Ethereum this innovation that happened that happened in that space uh, but when you when you want for example to compare we can compare two coins one is literally tokens that exist on the ethereum network so used for different uh, uh, for different things so one is the golem network for example what they try to do is they try to tokenize your graphic card on your box you don't use it most of the time, or actually you do because you're in this business, but somebody is not using it at all. And then they realized there are people who need that resource and they could pay you so that while your computer is idle or your graphic card is idle, it can be utilized. And Shared to, economy, basically. Exactly. And in, to do that, they introduced a token. I think it's literally called Golem, which is then when you do some work in their network, you get that Golem Golem token, right? So they use the token to tokenize a resource which is idle for you. You not use it, but somebody else needs it. And through the token, this is enabled because otherwise it would be quite hard to do that through traditional means. Somebody is like, you're sending an invoice to yeah. somebody, somebody is paying that, right? This is the, the beauty of, of blockchain is that it's, it's a native currency of the internet. It enabled that. And that's, that's the, the, the huge innovation. And then you can take another uh, token, basic attention token. And what this thing does, it tokenizes user attention. These guys, they build a browser that as you go through the browser, you browse through the internet, you can select if you want to see commercials that interest you and you get paid because you're spending time looking at some of the commercials. So they literally are tokenizing the value that attention exists that you have. for the ad advertiser by somebody looking, somebody's looking at the ads. I mean, it's it's a little bit more complicated than that, but I just want to point yeah, out. Yeah, just to give the, 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 yeah, the so broader this, perspective. Yeah. And that that's what tokens can do. They You take an asset and you you literally tokenize, you, you digitalize it, so to say, and you then integrate it into some broader uh, network of of participants who might have an interest, uh, monetary interest in, in using that asset. You you mentioned just now like more than a few different usages of blockchain, mm -hmm. right? And different use cases and so on. So, uh, 
by your opinion, how long it will take until blockchain become completely integral part of our life? Where we are with that? <clears throat> but if you ask our investors, they, they already are <laughs> using it. They don't. Maybe they don't know that they use it, but they use it. Uh, one is regulation, of course. That's the first hurdle. Hurdle. It's happening. EU is now going to introduce, uh, for example, an uh, overarching framework to solve uh, how do you tokenize stuff, how do you deal with crypto, what are the taxes, to try to solve that on, on the regional level. I think the framework is called MITSA or something like that. MITSA. Yeah, something like that. Uh, uh, when you say EU, I always imagine bureaucracy. So it's a bit... Uh, 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 when they are trying to define something, especially in this area, it's, go- it's going to be tricky. But yes, but they're 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 doing stuff. They're really doing it. You can see already the proposals. So doesn't mean that they're all good, but something yeah. is happening. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is uh, accessibility. Now, blockchain came a long way since its beginning, where only nerds could use it, and now you can basically have a wallet app on your on your phone, it's you don't need to know how this thing works at all. You can just buy it with fiat. Yeah. Right? Just, just don't think about what is in the background, right? Exactly. Just. Yeah. It's, for example, Revolut, the big app, Neo Bank. They now have crypto in their app that you can buy. So these hurdles, as they go, you slowly and steadily. I mean, blockchain is already there. People just don't know it. Yeah. But it's just gonna come at one point. Like it's gonna be like you know mobile phones now. Uh, for me, uh, knowing this technology quite some time now, it was I thought it's going to be faster. I didn't anticipate all the all the pushbacks and all the downsides and all the what how do you call that uh, negative to proactivity being waiting for things to happen instead instead of approaching them. Uh, so yeah. I thought it's gonna happen. Well, so, some some crazy things happen in the world, right? So yeah, that's true. That's that's true. That 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 most probably most probably influenced it. But right now we are uh, how there's somebody is calling it. It's uh, uh, it's crypto is in crisis, right? When you're looking on the on the on the chart. So I saw the expression crypto winter is coming. Yeah. yeah so yeah, what's your view on that? It's 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 a great thing. It's good that it's happening. I mean. DeFi, the last hype was DeFi, decentralized finance hype, hype, where people were expecting for, I don't know what reason, that they would get high returns on basically just nothing. And it really exploded. And then suddenly some of these pillars started to collapse and then just everything fell fell down, right? Uh, And it's a good thing because it's cleaning up a lot of these projects and then again you have an open field for for quality projects to come out of it and that will happen Um, the question is now how long is it going to last right yeah Uh, just one more thing that i wanted to add to the previous uh, question or the previous answer Uh, there is this tension that exists right you have this new technology that enables much better more efficient more transparent exchange of value a native currency of the internet and you have the traditional players you have the national banks who have completely different set of motivations they want to protect their economies they want to make sure they are in control 
right? So completely different set of values and they're yeah. in friction, yeah. right? And they see the technology and they see the benefits of that technology, but they don't want just to tell people, okay, you can now all trade in Bitcoin because then that means I'm, I'm giving my control, which is quite important. You need to have that control as a nation. So this is probably one of the bigger barriers why we don't have more acceptance. And now you have CBDCs, so central bank issued coins, tokens, that are probably going to become a big thing when national banks and those kind of institutions try to get into the space. But with and pass that barrier, right? Yes, but taking, up, implementing their own rules, right? Taking what they see best that that's coming out of this technology and taking and implementing that in that coin, avoiding the decentralized part. Right? <laughs> I saw that in South America, one country actually El did Salvador, uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's a legal, uh, how do you say, a legal tender in El Salvador is Bitcoin. I think they adopted that last year. I, I saw that, especially now with the crisis, they, they came to this position that is not very favorable, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope they didn't spend all <laughs> their money on that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they. I think they are the first ones who did that. I'm not sure about the results. When you when you read the results, you need to be careful because what is the source. Yeah. Because you can get easily uh, traditional players who are just going to say negative things and then you have these maximalists with laser eyes, right? Who are just pumping like everything is just buy buy buy. And the truth is also there's always somewhere in between. Um, we are, when we moving through through our show uh, towards towards the conclusion, we always like to uh, talk about uh, future and what's next, especially in this mm-hmm. field. But before that, I want to go completely on the other side. And I know that you're very passionate about something that's very interesting. That's astrophysics and astronomy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we talked about that a bit when we had the first conversation uh, for your uh, um, part of this show. Um, I want to ask you about your feelings and views of what happened with the James Webb Telescope and the images that we got from there. I, I was, I'm still completely amazed that they managed to get that thing up there <laughs> and that it's producing these results. The level of complexity. Uh, as an engineer, you know how hard it is to get code to production and not break something, even it's, if it's a really simple application. Doing that, testing that thing without the access to the real environment, uh, moving through all these tight bottlenecks where if one thing goes down, everything goes down. The level of stress and expertise is just amazing. And the results, yeah, I, I listened to a podcast just two nights ago from a guy who, who, who is part of the team of, of the James Webb Telescope, scientific part. They say the team was amazed by the quality of the pictures. <laughs> they didn't expect that it's going to be that good. So Amazing. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really mind-boggling. It, it was crazy when that that uh, accident happened with that. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I like to, to go through some, you know, social media posts and groups regarding astrophysics and so on. And I, when I saw that, that just landed there and started to open and we have like 70 days until yeah, it become yeah. fully operational and then all hell broke loose, right? <laughs> With that yeah, micrometer. So. Yeah, they modeled it. It's an event that it happened one uh, once in 10 years. That was in the models. Did that big. And, and it, it was happened. in third day, right? Yeah, it happened immediately. <laughs> so that's 
Yeah, that's Murphy's law. For yeah, you. but the the level of resilience, the level how they manage to incredible. Getting back from something like that happened yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at that, I can imagine how that that team, that people that are working on it, feels when they see something like that. I would like to be inside of that room when they when they launched it. <laughs> I would like to be there just to feel. I guess you could cut that by yeah by yeah, now, yeah yeah the tension yeah, and then the whole route right it was it was launched on a, I think EU rocket Ariadne or something like yeah. that. The launch was so perfect that they actually saved additional fuel that they can use so that the telescope can last longer. It was the most perfect launch ever, and then they went into that Lagrange point. I mean, being so far off from from Earth, and then needing to expand all the, all these i think they had like 200 or 300 single points of failure and that, In, went, incredible. that went through incredible how do you do there how yeah yeah crazy crazy superhuman yeah, yeah. literally yeah the, the the you know with all the things that happening in the world that that is so inspirational right it's you know yeah, it, yeah. it at least for me it makes you think that uh, we are not that bad even even though when you're yeah. reading the, the news and everything you say what the hell is going on with this planet but yeah i think we are amplifying too much the other side this yeah. this side is the important side and for me for what's for me most interesting coming from that will be coming from james webb it's, it's not galaxies and stars it's exoplanets atmospheres yeah. because it's actually so powerful that it can assess For some closer exoplanets, it can see what what's the composition the of the atmosphere. And there you can look for oxygen, you can look for various things that can show that this planet actually has can support life or actually it supports life. You can never have a definite proof just from the telescope, but you can get really close. So this is the, the interesting part for yeah. me, the most interesting part for me. We'll learn finally that we are alone or not alone in yeah. the universe. Both right? <laughs> are both are scary. <laughs> both are scary, right? <laughs> Okay, to go back to blockchain, we can talk about this subject for yeah. a long time, but uh, yeah. you know, we can maybe maybe uh, uh, I can bring you back for one episode just to talk about this. We, I would I would gladly <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. So to go back to to blockchain and the future of the blockchain, and um, what would you say is the direction that we are going, and um, you know uh, where will where this will bring. Us, the humanity, and uh, everybody that is using the blockchain, where 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 are we moving with it? Uh, I I think it, a lot depends on the actions by the traditional players. They have this slight hand. They have the regulation in place. So if if they decide to regulate it to death, they can almost do it. Uh, but I'm quite optimistic. I think that this will not happen and that blockchain will bring new models of changing value to the world. Uh, what I mean by that is machines machines can now control value. That's a fact. This means that you could have a fleet of cars, for example, that where each car can pay for its own uh, gas consumption and stuff like that. This brings a lot of new models, new incentives, and more efficient way, ways to, to do things. And I think it's going to liberate this uh, movement of capital and movement of value from, from individuals, groups, to other groups, which is a good thing. This is how economy yeah. goes up, right? You're getting more 
more friction and, and uh, you're getting more value from that right yeah, yeah the more the capital the more the capital moves freely right it, the, the more efficient is the economy and through this you know you can invest in in, in, in a company in I don't know uh, uh, Singapore through Serbia and you can just do a transaction which is literally immediately on the other side. And you have a proof of it that's always there. So that means that a lot of bureaucracy that you previously needed to have, auditing and all that stuff, you can just forget about it. It's it's the nature of the technology is such that it's always already there. Because it's simplified a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's so it's more efficiency. And uh, I, I see blockchain just becoming the the I'm going to repeat it for the third time or last time, the native way to transfer value over the internet. It somehow when you think of it, it's it's like a natural addition to the to the to the introduction of a, a decentralized network such as the internet, where you could exchange all the information through different nodes, which created things that we are living now. And now on top of that, you add that now also value can be transacted in the same way. So that network is getting an and the same Upgrade. speed, basically, same speed, what internet yes. brought to us, it's a uh, speed of communication that we couldn't imagine, right? Exactly. But now we can make that same speed for a capital. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's a order of magnitude, but better than what we have now. And it's because of the regulators or these traditional players, it's maybe going to take take more time, which is maybe a good thing because. You're, yeah, if it's you, too you, hectic, you can exactly. expect some yeah. bigger cracks, right? And yeah, bigger, yeah. bigger problems. Exactly. So, but in the end, I think yeah, that that's the way to go, and I'm, I'm really optimistic for the technology. Uh, I learned a lot today. Thank you. So, <laughs> so did I. Um, actually, uh, I'm going to call you again for for a talk about space and James Webb. We are going to talk about that for sure. That, yeah. Thank you so much for taking part in share. Thank you very much for the invitation. And for you other, uh, subscribe and next Thursday, next innovation talk. This one was, uh, I learned a lot. Hope you did. Thank you. Thank you. Pogledal sam kad si podigo ruke. To mi je na kraju samo da mogu i učistiti zvuk minuta. Gde smo sa vremenom? Savršu. E, super je bilo. Ja sam baš zadovoljen. Baš zadovoljen. Baš smo, da. Možemo na pivo da odemo. Pa i treba da odemo. I treba da odemo. Organizovat ćemo se sigurno. Da, da, da. Znaš šta, ovo što si mi pričao i ovo što ste radili, super mi je to zanimljivo.